Dollarization in Argentina Will Not Promote Freedom by Simon Wilson, an audiomesis wire narrated by Million Quinteros. Javier Millet's sensational performance in the Argentinian presidential election primary confirms the very real possibility that an anarcho-capitalist who quotes Rothbard and Mises could become Argentina's next president. If elected, there is little doubt that Malay will implement proposals aimed at profoundly reshaping Argentina's economy along free market lines. Unfortunately, a controversial idea to fully dollarize the Argentinian economy seems to have become his signature policy. This is at odds with the rest of his platform. Flashback, the Fed doesn't care about Argentina. In the 1990s, Argentina established a quasi-dollarized convertibility system that pegged the peso to the dollar. It ended disastrously with a painful crisis in 2001-2 that collapsed the entire economy. The core flaw? The Fed serves the interests of the United States alone and not those of Argentina or anyone else. Initially, convertibility reduced inflation while credit with low U.S. interest rates fueled growth. By the late 1990s, however, the U.S. economy was overheating and the Fed hiked rates. With the currency pegged, Argentina's central bank, the BCRA, had no choice but to match the high U.S. rates, crushing GDP. Now, Millet is proposing dollarization when the Fed is once again in a tightening phase. If implemented, Argentina's economy would again be chained to a monetary policy out of sync with its own business cycle which otherwise depends more on Brazil and China than the U.S. Dollarization doesn't reduce debt Dollarizing an economy does not remedy the monetary expansion and consequent indebtedness that result from an unbacked currency. Assuming hard dollarization, Argentina is limited to three options for bringing dollars into its economy. Exports, foreign investment, and borrowing. Since trade surpluses are rare for Argentina and foreign investment is fickle, the country would come to heavily depend on debt issuance to fund economic activity. Just as in the 90s, Wall Street banks would happily step in and create nearly risk-free credit. Bad loans can be offloaded onto the Fed as a lender of last resort. Argentinian banks would follow suit, borrowing dollars and re-lending at a markup despite being ineligible for Federal Reserve bailouts. The only real constraint on credit expansion would be the unwillingness of borrowers to take on more dollar debt. But Ecuador, which dollarized in 2000, offers a cautionary tale. Its public debt has since ballooned from $16 billion to $75 billion. Dollarization enmeshes Argentina in an unjust global order. It's strange to talk about dollarization in Argentina when it, along with the rest of the world, is already dollarized. The U.S. dollar is the global reserve currency. All countries trade with dollars, and about half of all loans and securities in foreign banking systems are created in dollars. As Hans-Hermann Hoppe notes, this effectively reduces the world to a currency exploitation zone under U.S. dominance. To further integrate with this system would be for Argentina to accept outright exploitation in various forms. First, the dollar system is an inherently tributary system. The U.S. prints dollars and the world works to obtain them. But much of the money flowing back to the U.S. will purchase not goods and services, but rather U.S. government debt, which is thereby monetized. 
In other words, the U.S. extracts real value from the rest of the world by issuing unbacked currency printed out of thin air. Second, the Federal Reserve extracts value through the Cantillon effect. The first recipients of newly issued money, namely U.S. banks and corporations, get to make purchases before the money percolates through the global system and raises prices. Those furthest away feel the full impact of inflation. By the time U.S. dollars reach Argentina, which is economically peripheral, prices will have already risen in the core. Thus, a hidden inflation tax is imposed on its citizens. Third, and most destructive, many of these outflowing dollars are recycled back into U.S. treasuries and networks of other assets, such as real estate, land, and even stocks, that the Fed props up by printing money. Ultimately, the function of U.S. capital markets is not to direct savings into real productive investment, but to collect economic rent. Dollarization will induce Argentina to prop up this market and with its currency stabilized, facilitate a rush of income generated in Argentina away from domestic production and into the rentier economy of the U.S., a process known as capital flight. Here again, Ecuador is instructive. Dollarization did not entice investors to make long-term fixed capital investments, such as in factories and transport infrastructure that could benefit Ecuador's economy. But it has encouraged them to ride the U.S. real estate and stock market booms at an average net outflow of nearly a billion dollars a year since 2000. Politicization Foreign banking systems do not automatically qualify for Fed bailouts. But central banks in core countries have certain privileges. During the 2008 financial crisis, the Fed set up swap lines to provide dollars to the European Central Bank, Bank of England, and Bank of Japan, but excluded banks from peripheral countries like Argentina. The Fed may grant relief to Argentina when dollar shortages hit, but only through conditional loans that do not contradict U.S. strategic interests. If the BCRA is completely abolished, Millet's stated goal, Argentina's dollarized banking system would be beholden to increasingly politicized lending conditions set by private banks connected to the Fed. Recently, Ecuador and Belize agreed to hand over swaths of territory to environmental conservation programs and sign up for a number of environmental, social, and corporate governance ESG targets in exchange for dollar debt relief. Millet, who does not seem to care for ESG and has been vocal on gender ideology and other conservative hot-button topics, has been painted as a fascist in American media. At a time when the U.S. government and its intelligence community believe the biggest hemispheric threats are right-wing strongmen like Trump and Bolsonaro, the power to ration dollars could be leveraged against Millet personally. Leaders don't survive their dollarization policy. Past attempts at dollarization in Latin America have all ended in a loss of power for the implementing party. Even in Ecuador, where the policy has remained, there followed a painful adjustment period that saw President Mahuad ejected from office, paving the way for Rafael Correa and a decade of 21st century socialism. Argentina's first quasi-dollarization was the immediate cause of the socialist Kirchner's coming to power. Unless it goes off without a hitch, the plan will this time likely see Millet removed and his ideas discredited, laying the ground for another era of anti-market regimes. 
Malay deserves enormous credit for advancing libertarian ideas across Latin America. But his dollarization proposal contradicts the libertarian spirit and insights on the global central banking order developed by thinkers such as Rothbard and Hoppe. It would mean Argentina further upholding the U.S. imperium through its labor and leaving its economic and political destiny in the hands of the Federal Reserve and the banking elites who preside over the dollar system. Rather than committing to a policy that may bring catastrophe and benefit vested interests, Millet's platform should, as Ron Pauls did in 2012, place the burden of structural adjustment on the powerful, not the poor. This could mean, for example, promoting a free banking system based on gold or community credits rather than dollar reserves. Ultimately, however, Millet and anyone who comes after him needs to understand the real reason why free market philosophy has failed to take root in Latin America. It's perceived alliance with privilege and reaction. Malay's attacks against the left have gained him a lot of followers for now. But the only way libertarians can triumph in the long run is by demonstrating its power to achieve the left's stated goals. Ending privilege, alleviating poverty, upholding human dignity, and ending imperialism. Much more effectively than socialist policies ever could. Libertarianism's natural constituency in Latin America is the working class whose right to economic freedom is infringed daily by the state. By emphasizing voluntarism, the right of all, especially the poor and marginalized, to control their bodies and justly acquired property without harming others, rather than policies like dollarization that set up or reinforce hierarchies, libertarians can speak to the real needs of the masses and end the eternal recurrence of socialism in the Americas. For more content like this, visit Mises.org.